So how many of you guys like music? I really like music. I have my whole life. It just kind of personally speaks to me. Now, I guess my favorite music is worship music, but I'll also listen to dubstep and chill step. Uh, but that's basically the music that I listen to. But before I was saved, I used to like a bunch of rock music. And I remember when I uh, gave my life to the Lord, and I'd be praying, and I'd be like, why doesn't any of these guys give their life to you? So there can be music that's decent Christian music. Um, and maybe it's... Uh, not popular opinion, but there's not a lot of great Christian like rock groups. There's a few, right. and so I'd be I'd be praying. And I'd be like, God, please. And then all of a sudden, one day, a band member gave his life to the Lord, and I was like, Oh, that's great. Let's see what he does for it. So he ends up starting his own band, and he started even having concerts. He was spreading the word of God to everybody. I've actually been to a few of his concerts, and I was like, Dude, this guy's doing great. So time goes on, and it's been about four or five years, and he decides, you know what, it's been, it's time. I can go back to my old band. And so he goes back to his old band, and so, I don't know, I'm kind of a skeptic when it comes to things. I'm watching, and I've seen things like happen in my own life, and I'm like, well, how long are you going to be able to maintain this stance that you have that God is great and to glorify him? Well, sure enough, a couple months ago, an article came out to where he'd had an interview, and he said... You know, I think I just got a little too obsessed with the Jesus thing. Nobody likes people pushing Jesus down their throats. And so I was sitting there and he said, and he said in the, in the article, I'll never forget what God has done in my life. And it's like, of course you wouldn't. Your life was changed. But now you've come to a point to where you're around all of these other people who've spoken to your life. And now you've become ashamed of the gospel of Christ. In Romans 1, 16 and 17, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it is, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, this scripture is very powerful. This verse shows Paul's convictions and that they lay up, lay, lay in the gospel of Christ. Paul was someone who demonstratively preached the gospel. And for us, Christians just in in general, that should be a baseline in Christianity today, right? At the minimum, you shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel that you preach. The gospel that has set you free from sin and death. The gospel that through Jesus Christ, we will be resurrected with him and end up living our days glorifying him. We have no need to be ashamed of what Christ has done. And Paul wasn't. This gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. When reading the word, I try to put myself in the position to understand why the writers say the things that they do. And to really understand the depth of the scripture, we need to analyze a little bit more about it. The first thing that I decided I would analyze about it is who was Paul before this? And the reason why it's important to understand who he was before this is because it puts a whole new meaning on the importance of what this verse says. Now, Paul was born around the same time as Christ. Oftentimes, people forget that they walked the earth together. His original name was Saul of Tarsus. He was born to a family of devout Jews, and his lineage was from the tribe of Benjamin. 
His family lineage was very attached to Pharisaic traditions, and they followed Jewish law very closely and strictly. And Saul even became a Pharisee. Saul was well known. Well, you guys, you guys know what he was well known for? Other than the gospel part when he was Saul? Yes, Saul was well known for his attack and the persecution of the early church. He would hunt Christians down, he would imprison them, he would flog them, and even execute them. And we see this in the scripture in the stoning of Stephen in Acts 7.57-8.1. through 8, 1. It says, Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. Do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. That's another way of saying he died. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution rose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were scattered all throughout the regions of Judea and Sumeria, except the apostles. See, Saul was someone who would do whatever he thought he needed to do. And that's even kill Christians to uphold the Jewish law. Saul denied that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And it showed through it by his persecution of this early church. Until one day. He was on the road to Damascus. Right? And Jesus decided to meet him where it's at. You know what's crazy about that story? Not only was he on the road to Damascus, he was on the road to Damascus to go capture Christians. And Jesus appears. And I can only imagine, if that was me, I would be terrified. He was like, Saul, Saul. He knew immediately who he was. He was like, "Uh, who are you? All scared. But his life changed forever. He took, he took Saul, changed his name to Paul, and was like, you're working for me now. Enough with this other stuff. It changed his life. He began to preach Christ crucified everywhere he went. And see, that's why the scripture is so important. Paul went from literally killing Christians to preaching the same gospel that they did. You guys realize, even during that time, people knew who Paul was, right? He didn't just come out of nowhere. They knew what Paul had done when he was Saul, and they knew what he had done to other Christians. And Romans was only written about 30 to 40 years after the crucifixion. So most people who witnessed this was probably still somewhat fresh in their mind. And see, for me, I kind of relate it to something like a, like a tragic family death. Right? Has anybody witnessed a, or experienced a tragic family death? I know for me, like when my grandpa died, which was the first tragic death that I had had in my family, I remember exactly what I was doing. I was working for this company building yurts, and I was standing outside staining some lattice under a, a giant tarp while the rain was like pouring down, and I wore the wrong shoes to work. And so my feet were soaked, and I remember being miserable, and then I got the phone call. Like, I remember the exact details. Usually people can. Think of whoever's in here is old enough to remember 9-11. Most people know exactly what they were doing when they found out the news. 
It was a tragic and horrible experience for the families involved and for the people watching it. I remember I worked for Kirby Vacuum Cleaners and we were out and I remember doing this demo for this lady watching it on her big screen and I'm like, dude, this is terrible. Like, I just want to go home. Like, no one's buying a vacuum today. Like, nobody cares. They made me work for 12 more hours that day, knocking on doors. I was like, there ain't nobody answering no doors. But it was a tragic accident that happened and most people remember where they were. And that was 20 years ago. In 10 more years, it's still going to seem like just the other day. Now, there is no direct biblical scripture stating this next part, but many scholars and historians think it's plausible that Paul might have even witnessed the crucifixion. It's actually more possible than it not being possible. The way they deduct this is knowing that Paul was a devout Jew and a Pharisee, him adhering to strict Jewish law would have motivated him to be present in Jerusalem during Passover, which would have at least put him in close proximity with Jesus. Witnessing this, knowing Jesus was crucified, knowing the miracles of Jesus, persecuting Christians, and now your stance has been changed. So he is boastfully going to acknowledge Christ. He's not ashamed because there's no need to be. Paul acknowledges that he's not ashamed because he knows that the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. If you know the same thing, it, it doesn't matter. You just preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19. For the message of the cross is foolishness for those that are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now, Paul had been set free. And all of a sudden, now the gospel all hinges on the fact that Jesus was the Messiah and the King of the Jews. A... A thing that he used to persecute now all hinges on the same thing that he would persecute Christians for. This gospel, a man who walked the earth, sinless, fully God, fully man, who then died a gruesome death. And crucifixion was reserved for the worst people. So here we have Jesus. He was stripped of his clothes. He was beaten. He was spit on. He was called names. He wore a crown of thorns. He was made to carry his own cross and then put on that cross. He was mocked and even stabbed in the side. Only to rise three days later and bring everyone who believes in him to salvation. Of course, Paul states he's not ashamed. Yes, come on. It was the same gospel he persecuted. Jesus changed his life. And he was going to let nothing stop him from preaching the gospel to reaching this world. This is why the scripture has so much more meaning than just words on a page. When you read your Bible, you have to realize it's more than just words on a page. Somebody wrote this. Somebody lived this. God spoke this through someone. It's really changed the way that I read the Bible once I've started doing things like this. He wasn't ashamed of the gospel. And now the word ashamed translated means disgraced or personally humiliated. And this meaning... It would be as if somebody was single out from his, singled out from misplacing their confidence. They trusted in something, but it let them down. But the gospel's never going to let you down. So when Paul was saying he's not ashamed, he's proclaiming that his confidence has not been misplaced. There is no disgrace in declaring it. 
He gave the rest of his life to spread the gospel. And our confidence isn't misplaced either in the gospel. There is no no need to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ashamed means feeling shame, guilt, or disgrace. Reluctant or unwilling to do something because of shame or embarrassment. A few years back, I don't remember how long ago it was. It was a while ago. uh, Pastor Matt convinced me. Well, he asked. I was like, yeah, it doesn't take much to convince me. If I wanted to go to this large uh, church conference with him. And I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. It'll be cool. And so me, Pastor Matt, and Pastor Crystal went to this conference. And I remember being there. and, And a preacher was there preaching. I mean, a preacher of a large, large church. Not someone from in the state. I mean, a very large church. And we watched him and we were like, oh, that message wasn't terrible. It was actually seemed decent at the time. So then they had these small breakout groups. And in these breakout groups, uh, he was one of the people that were in the, in the session where, where you could go and listen to what he has to say and learn about his background and ask questions. So me and Pastor Crystal went to that breakout group. And he left, a, he left a moment in time to where everybody wrote down a question that wanted to ask a question, and they turned these questions in. And so, sorry, my mouth is really dry. I have to drink more water. I drink like a gallon of water a day, so my body's just used to constantly drinking water. So anyway, back to the story. So Pastor Crystal writes her question down, turns it in, right? And there's a guy up there who's asking the questions. He's flipping through questions, and he was like, oh... He's like, this is a good one. You could see it in his face. And then he asked her question. I was like, oh, shoot. He asked it. (laughs) And so the guy starts at first trying to explain. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he stops. He's like, you know what? No. Who asked this question? As if to shame the person who wrote the question. Very arrogant and prideful. And Pastor Crystal meekly sat there and raised her hand. Not caring what anybody else thought, not caring what anybody else said, she raised her hand. And now I don't know what happened for the rest of that portion because I got so angry that this guy would try to embarrass any Pastor Crystal, I mean, let alone anyone, but Pastor Crystal, she said my face turned instantly red. Like, I probably wanted to fight him. It was a while ago. (laughs) But she didn't care. She raised her hand, she, she raised her hand anyway. She even stated later on when I was talking to her about it, like, yeah, there was some fear, but I just did it. I, I wrote the question. First of all, he misinterpreted the question. You know, we were leaving after that and we were going through the parking lot and some man even was like, you're the lady that said the question. She was like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> she didn't care. And see, that's exactly how we should be with the gospel. To be ashamed of the gospel means that we need to proclaim the gospel. That's one reason why I don't like that the phrase. You probably know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Preach the gospel, use words if necessary. Because it is always necessary to use words preaching the gospel. The disciples, apostles, and biblical martyrs did not follow this saying, and you shouldn't either. They did not become martyrs for not using their words and spreading the gospel. They didn't care and it ended up costing their lives. Now, I'm not saying that you're ashamed of the gospel if you missed one or two opportunities to speak into somebody's life or that you didn't defend the gospel one time. But if it's a habitual thing in your life where you constantly don't want to spread this gospel, 
then you might be ashamed. You don't want to allow going against social grain and the fear of harassment stop you from sharing the gospel. It is the same gospel that set you free from sin and death. Now, Pastor Jay said it on Sunday, and I'll just kind of copy him. There are some circumstances where you do need to be a little bit more careful. We live in America, though. So most, most of the thing that's going to happen is people are going to heckle you about it. Also, you don't always have to defend the gospel or argue with somebody. Sometimes there's just no point. If you're at a family gathering and you have that one drunk relative that like keeps like, hey, God's not real. Or I know all about this about the Bible. Don't argue with them. You guys know what it's like arguing with a drunk person, right? It's like talking to the wall. I have a family member that every time he's like, I know so much about the Bible. And I'm like, dude, you are so far off base. But he's a drunk, so I just let him do it. <laughs> not, only does, not only does living unashamed mean we need to proclaim it. It also need to apply it to our lives and show we believe what we are saying. Paul didn't preach one thing and then live another. He lived out the message he preached. He allowed the gospel to change his life and his actions. And people saw it. And it encouraged them. And it encouraged all believers to do the same thing. In fact, myself, when I prepare messages or I read the word, I always look for something that's going to help me. And that's what everybody else should do. Don't read the Bible for someone else like, oh, I think of this person, right? Because every time I read the Bible or I prepare a message, I'm like, God, what are you trying to tell me? And so even in this, I saw some things in my own life that I'm like, wait a minute, like, like I'm saying one thing, but then mentally my thoughts might do something else. Or sometimes my word do or or going to do something else. I openly repented to people because I went through this and I was like, I don't want there to be anything in my life. The more I grow in Christ that someone could come and attack me for something. I want them to know that I love the Lord and that my life is completely sold out for him. And yes, it takes time and it's a process, but I'm getting there slowly. But I'm getting there. If you let sin run rampant in your life, you're going to constantly live or live constantly live in disobedience to the scriptures. You are ashamed of the gospel. If you weren't, you would live what you preached. When we blatantly disobey the scriptural standards laid out in the Bible, you are lacking confidence in the message that you are proclaiming. That means you might not be able to go to all the places that you did before. Right? Right. Or sometimes you might not be able to spend time with people that cause you to stumble. Something really bugs me. And it's every time I hear people say, Jesus hung out with sinners. But here's the deal. He did, right? He spent time with sinners. But the difference is, is he was ministering to them. He wasn't just hanging out. He wasn't just like, oh, hey, guys, let's have some fun. Jesus didn't turn the water into wine and then start chugging it with his buddies. (laughs) He didn't. He didn't sit there bad-mouthing other disciples. He could have bad-mouthed Judas all day long because he knew the thoughts and intents of his heart. He kept his mouth shut. He wasn't bad-mouthing his boss. Well, I mean, his boss would be God, so that would be weird. Or himself. It'd be himself. (laughs) 
He wasn't saying things to all of these people like, look, see, I'm fun too. I'm no different than you. This will bring you into my kingdom. Come on, look at me. Yes, he spent time with them, but to minister to them. Either they followed him or they didn't. Now see, more accurately, Jesus' main group were his disciples. That's who he mentored. That's who he discipled. He would preach. He would minister. He would do miracles. He would meet the needs of people. Then be like, come on, crew to his boys and go to the next place. That probably doesn't make sense to you. So when I walk around this this property, I don't want to go by myself. I'm just like, come on, crew. That's what I would say. And so then, you know, my little entourage follows me. Like, if you looked closely, you probably almost saw Gabe and Thad jump up and join me on stage. (laughs) Jesus never engaged in sinful activities just so he would fit in. And that's why this bugs me, right? People can say it all they want, but more often than not, the people that are saying it are the ones that don't want to be held accountable for their actions. They want to be able to party. They want to smoke weed. They want to do whatever they want to do and still live in their sinful desires. Psalms 1.1 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. If you want to live unashamed, you must allow the gospel to change your life. Your walk should back up what your mouth is saying. And if you did, it really wouldn't be a problem. Just like Paul, we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because through it, God's righteousness is revealed. I mean, there's great stuff in this scripture. In Romans 1.17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now the word, word revealed in Greek is apokalupto, something like that, I'm not a professional. It means to bring light to something or an unveiling. And so what this is unveiling, this word that it's talking about, is it an unveiling of how sinful man's heart is. See, the gospel exposes the inmost darkness of a man's heart. In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things and and deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? See, the gospel shows us the true righteousness of God and how pure he is. Our own righteousness is nothing without God. And now people try to do good works all the time to prove how good they are. Right? Worldly, even in the church sometimes. All the time it happens. You hear people say, so-and-so is a good person. But without the gospel, none of us are righteous. Now, people will have their own form of self-righteousness. But it can never compete with the true righteousness of God. And that is what the gospel reveals. We're sinners that are in need of a righteous God that restores our heart. Our heart condition through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those who believe in God's son, Jesus, although being unrighteous themselves, then become righteous through him. And the scripture goes on to say, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And some versions say, the righteous shall live by faith. See, Paul is directly quoting from Habakkuk, Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2.4. And so the interesting part about this is, uh, Habakkuk was a, uh, uh, he was a prophet. 
And he was having a dialogue, a conversation with God. And in this conversation, uh, he was mostly, you know, asking things like, or wanting to see God, like him do more, like about justice and, you know, vengeance on people that are coming against them. And so in this, in this dialogue, Habakkuk is asking questions to God. And and his second question he was asking, and God, this is the beginning of God's response to his second question. It says, behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. See, Paul is directly quoting God. He's not like, hey, I'm taking this other guy and quoting his scriptures. He is directly quoting God. Paul also says this in Galatians 3.11, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. And one more time in Hebrews 10.38, now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We need to live by faith. If you are a Christian, you need to live by faith. Faith in the gospel that sets us free from sin and death. We have been justified, not by our doing, but what had been done on the cross. And we can't earn our salvation, and it's not by our own merit. Only by believing in Jesus Christ and Him crucified for the remissions of our sins will lead us to be righteous. That is why we are justified. It's through His grace alone. See, the law showed us by our own doing, we cannot obtain any kind of righteousness. But Jesus laid Himself down for our sins that we would be made new. That is the faith that we believers should live by. Our faith that we fully accept what has been done for us. That he took our place. Not from a stance of this could have happened. Jesus could have done this. But that he actually did this. This happened. We should go to the grave as Christians proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of the gospel that has set you free and revealed God's righteousness to you. But be righteous and live by faith. You guys want to bow your heads? Lord, thank you for this opportunity that we could worship you. Lord, thank you for this message that you've given us. Lord, I pray that people's hearts will turn towards you, Father. I pray that people will not be ashamed of your gospel and you'll continue, they'll continue living out what you would have them to do. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. We ended kind of early tonight. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.